Welcome to Talk World Radio, a half-hour discussion of politics as if the people mattered. I'm David Swanson. This week on Talk World Radio, we're talking about Davos. Our guest, Jenny Ricks, speaking to us from Johannesburg, South Africa, is the global convener of Fight Inequality Alliance, which you can find at fightinequality.org. Jenny Ricks, welcome to Talk World Radio. So for anyone who doesn't know and hasn't heard about it over the past half century or so, what is Davos? Ah, well, it's it's a it's a club that's been going for for 51 years now. So it's it's a it's an organization that hosts um, uh, multinational CEOs, uh, rich folks, um, governments, finance ministers, um, some civil society people, and so on, to talk about uh, talk about the world's problems, do deals, uh, you know, network among amongst elites in a in a Swiss mountain ski resort called Davos. So Davos is actually a town, um, but it just hosts uh, the World Economic Forum for its annual meeting every year. Um, but the World Economic Forum is is a kind of elite club, basically, where the the naught point naught one percent go to go to talk about ostensibly to talk about how they're going to lead the world and fix the world. And it's problem. and it's. No doubt impactful, all of these billionaires and government officials uh, gathering. No, uh, But it's also, it's not secret. I mean, a lot of it is public, right? We see videos of them talking to each other. I think you, you do have some of the official sessions. That's, that's true. But I mean, mo- most of what goes on in, in conferences and so on is in, is in the networking, is in, in the private conversations. I mean, it's interesting that you said that no doubt some of this is effective. I mean, we, we would say that it's not, right? I mean, a bunch of billionaires flying in private jets to Switzerland uh, to talk about fixing climate change and to tackle inequality. I, I think a lot of people have realized and are calling out the hypocrisy of that. I mean, 51 years of Davos and inequality has been high on their agenda as it's been rising dramatically in, in, in recent times, in the last decade and so on. But inequality has got manifestly worse in that time. Um, so a sort of rich man's club uh, of, of, of billionaires talking about how to fix inequality isn't, isn't the solution. They, as they say, arsonists, don't make good but, but but is it uh, is it uh, is it a lack of honesty or a lack of competence? I mean, I'm assuming these people don't really want to address inequality. They just want to be seen sitting in a room in Switzerland pretending they want to address inequality. Right, and that's that's exactly it. I mean, we at Fight and Equality Alliance, we think that they are not that they're part of the problem. So uh, asking the same pro- asking the same set of people who are uh, the current economic system is is designed to benefit them explicitly. Uh, so asking them to to lead the charge in fixing the problem is, is not going to work. So you know during the pandemic we we heard last week from our allies and, and members at Oxfam 
uh, the latest sort of set of statistics that puts this into context that during the pandemic, so far during the COVID-19 pandemic, a new billionaire, has, a US dollar billionaire has been created every 30 hours during the pandemic. So, and that's happening at the same time now, whilst a million more people will be pushed into poverty in the same in the same time frame. So you see, we're seeing, we're at this juncture in the pandemic where, you know, all of us will think of during the pandemic about how much we've lost, you know, in terms of, in terms of people, in terms of that emotional turmoil, our jobs, our livelihoods, uh, food prices, you know, access to healthcare, all of these very essential things we've all lost uh, to a greater or lesser extent. And, but billionaires, the richest, have had an unbelievably good pandemic. You know, extreme wealth is is off the charts at the same time as the rest of humanity is, is really, really struggling. So looking to Davos for, for the solutions to inequality is, is the wrong starting point. So we are saying as the Fight and Equality Alliance, it's, it's actually the people on the front lines of inequality, people who who know the struggles of inequality are, are the ones who have the solutions. And that's where the change will come from, is people organizing. And I'm afraid the, the propaganda that has people believing that this crowd in Davos is where the solutions come from has been so effective in some places like the United States, where I live, that when you say there's a new billionaire every 30 hours, and everybody already believes that eventually they are going to be one of the billionaires. That sounds like good news to them. Like, oh, great, maybe I'm next Thursday. You know, uh, maybe maybe it's you next. Well, I think a lot of those myths are, are falling away. Actually, You're, that kind of that hero worship of billionaires, this idea of, of billionaires as being the the job creators, the the, the power to our economies, I think, is is falling away. I mean, we saw during the pandemic and, and in the United States, as well as many countries across the world, that we had this conversation about what essential work is. You know, during the pandemic, we had this uh, ridiculously simple realization that it's actually, it's the nurses, it's the, it's the supermarket checkout workers, it's the, the delivery people, it's the, it's the street cleaners, it's uh, the doctors and so on, the, the essential workers who keep our societies functioning, our economies functioning. Now, often people's labor is, is grossly exploited uh, in, in a number of ways. And, and those things came to the fore. But one of the good things, I think, during the pandemic was a lot of these myths about billionaires being the heroes, being the, the value creators, the, the drivers of the economy uh, have fallen away and people have, have reconnected with the, with the truths and the realities that it's, you know, billionaires are, are created through extracting and exploiting people's labor you know most most grossly people of color women and so on and a lot of those myths were were challenged were shattered and and people were realizing well actually a lot of billionaire wealth is made off the back of public subsidies so we saw during the pandemic um many of the vaccine uh the big pharmaceutical companies who who have manufactured the covid-19 uh vaccines um, most of those those vaccines were were developed off of public funding. 
right, off of taxpayers' money, you and I's money. And then you have the pharmaceutical companies uh, protecting, uh, refusing to share the patents and making massive, massive profits off of uh, what in, in origins were, were publicly funded vaccine developments. So you have this kind of corporate greed uh, contrasting with, you know, the public good, the public necessity of everybody around the world being able to have access to a vaccine during during a pandemic. So I think there have been these moments of, of rupture that have chipped away at, at a lot of those kind of myths that were held as as truths. Um, so that that's been a positive. And you think there's there's polling or there's voting or there's activism that suggests that a greater percentage of people are are catching on. I mean, corporate greed is obviously not new, uh, and some of us have been outraged by it since longer than we can remember. Is there? You think there's evidence that people increasingly are catching on to what the problem is? Yeah, I, th- I think that I think there is um, because I think during the pandemic, so many people experienced inequalities. Um, themselves you know th- things that they um things that they experienced uh whether it was unemployment or whether it's rising food prices or the real it's you know it's very scary when you don't have access to healthcare there's no publicly funded healthcare for you there's no vaccine available for you all of these touch points of inequality got worse for most people at the same time as they saw um billionaire wealth corporate wealth still rising, you know, at ridiculous, ridiculous rates. And so, and governments, um, the, the policy response by our governments in, in pretty much everywhere in some, some polling we did recently, people are extremely uh, disappointed and frustrated with how their governments have responded. And the, um, so in terms of polling and public opinion, what you see in most countries is that redistribution has come back on the agenda. Right. So that people are governments are saying, oh, we're broke. We don't have the money. You know, we want to do all these good things for people in terms of public services or social grants and all the things that people need. But oh, we don't have the money. But increasingly, people are saying, yes, we do. You can tax the very the richest in society. You can tax corporations more. Uh, We need to redistribute. So I I think there has been and polling in. Pretty much, you know, every country, even across the global countries in the global north, like the US and countries in, in the global south, um, across, you know, Africa, Asia and so on, are, are showing pretty much the same thing, that people are know that elites have done very, very well during the pandemic. And we've reached a kind of critical juncture where instead of squeezing ordinary people more by increasing VAT or other measures, Actually, no, that's not what governments should be doing. People need to people need the breathing room to be able to afford the basics. Uh, we should be increasing the taxes on the richest. So the polling is showing pretty much across the world that that's what people are in favor of those progressive yeah. taxes. And, and there were protests uh, of some sort of of what was happening at Davos, right? That uh, that you were part of. What sort of of protests have there been? Yeah, well, you can see that the, the anger is is rising, right? I mean, the situation the situation is really, really desperate for many people. As I said before, you know, you 
you will find across the Fight Inequality Alliance, people are struggling, really struggling with, with the basics. Um, lack of income, you know, it's very expensive to just keep putting food on the table, um, to travel. To, to, I don't mean as in travel as in a holiday, as I mean as in travel to, to your place of work or travel to buy food. Uh, you know, all of these these really difficult things have become much more pronounced and and people are frustrated that instead of um, introducing the kinds of policies and solutions that people want to see at home that will that will redistribute that will change the economy so it's not serving the interests of of the richest and the most powerful and actually it's working for ordinary people things that would fight inequality uh, governments are not doing that instead they're flying off to to davos and uh, having you know meaningless discussions or agreeing agreeing new deals, kind of sticking to the same old neoliberal policy script, and so there's frustration. So as as the Fight Inequality Alliance, there were protests. Um, people in over 15 countries were were protesting to say to their national governments, "Look, we we have got real pressing issues at home. We want you to tax the rich." We want, uh, we want those tax revenues to be spent on people being able to recover from the pandemic, to survive the pandemic. Uh, we don't want austerity measures. We don't want, um, you know, underfunded public services. People need social grants, the things, uh, food prices to be kept at a reasonable level, uh, these skyrocketing fuel prices that mean transport is unaffordable are... None of this is sustainable in our societies. Yeah, so people were expressing a frustration, um, whether from South Africa to Mexico, um, folks in the US, that we've we've got this rigged economy that is serving the richest and the most powerful, and people are demanding real changes. So you know we can expect that that anger or and that those demands to intensify. Um, you know, us as Fight Inequality Alliance, that the movement is growing, as you would expect when inequality is increasing so grotesquely in our societies. More, more and more people are becoming mobilized. And, you know, even the week before, uh, the week before Davos, we even heard warnings from, from the UN and even the IMF saying that the situation is, is really dire in terms of food prices, in terms of inflation, and so on, and that we can expect to see if we continue on this path, if we continue on this trajectory, we can expect to see social unrest in in many countries where people are beyond breaking. In in what countries, if any, are we seeing the most uh, activism uh, or elections going the right way or any policies changing in the direction of of the solutions that are needed? Good, yeah, good, good question. We we always look for hope, don't we? I I think I I think in a lot of countries there is I think particularly now as as we see food prices rising and and fuel prices rising so starkly, <clears throat> we we're seeing a lot more activism. Like in in Kenya, for example, um, with the rise in in food prices these very stark inequalities just being laid bare and, and an election coming up uh, in Kenya in, in August this year, you, we're, we're seeing a lot of young people becoming very active and, and very demanding for, for different policy responses from, from the candidates who are, who are standing for election. 
So that, that's one example. And I, I think we can expect to see that replicated in a, in a lot of countries as, as the situation really, really bites quite hard. Um, in in Colombia, um, this last uh, this last week there was the first round of presidential elections. I don't I don't know how familiar your listeners are with um, with the different elections going on in, in in different countries. But the for the first time, a, a leftist president um, won the first round of the presidential elections in in Colombia. And um, last year there were there were widespread protests in Colombia. Um, where largely about inequality. So we have that kind of the outrage about all of the different ways that are squeezing people so hard in terms of inequality. Eventually it leads to it leads to an outbreak. If it increases and continues to be unaddressed by government or government just continues to stick to the same neoliberal dogma, eventually people's People's frustration, people's pain spills over into widespread protests. Um, and we saw the same thing in, in Chile uh, the year before, where you had a, a mass movement in Chile that was made up of, of young people, uh, of indigenous peoples, um, of, of people, or even of people living in cities and, and the elderly. The way that neoliberal policies had chipped away at people's lives and livelihoods, the cost of transport. Um, you know, studying becoming just unaffordable for young people, so they lose they lose hope. Um, older people's pensions becoming being chipped away at. You know, all of these different uh, drip drip effects. People have begun to connect those to the systemic causes. It's not just random and and, and unconnected that all of these things are, are bearing down on people and and making their day to day lives worse. So we saw. Uh, we saw a mass movement organized and we saw widespread protests erupt across the country that led to that led to the downfall of, of the previous government and and now a new constitution for the country which which people wanted as a as a clear break from from the dictatorship of the past uh, and a clear break from from neoliberalism you know a lot of the the movement activists there said well neoliberalism was born in chile and we want it to now die in chile and we want to create we want to create a different basis a different future and now there's you know there's a new president in in chile um who was elected last at end of last year i think or he came to office early this year um so that there, there are these different examples of of how countries have fared better and, and worse. And look, even in countries where you could not accuse the government of being left wing, um, like the UK, uh, where I'm from originally, uh, certainly a, a very right wing government in, in the Conservatives, but the the outrage and, and the anger about the cost of living increases that the vast majority of people are facing in the UK, even in a very rich country like the UK, the inequality is rising. And so the government said for, for many months that there was nothing to be done and, um, you know, no, nothing nothing very substantive was possible. But the public anger has reached such a point that they've had to offer some policy changes. So last week, the government was forced into um, into a U-turn and, and, and they're going to do a, a windfall tax on the energy companies that have made a massive, massive profit during the pandemic. And so people have been saying, you know, to this point about the contrasts becoming unsustainable, 
uh, everyone in the UK was saying to government, look, you cannot have the, the energy companies making unbelievable profits and people having their, their energy prices just double and triple overnight, meaning heating your home or cooking your food it becomes literally unaffordable. Um, and, and at the same time, the, the companies are, are making, uh, are making a, a, an outrageous fortune. So they've had to introduce a windfall tax on, on the energy companies. Now, you know, governments will, will stonewall and say, no, 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 this is not possible. It's not possible. It's not possible. But eventually, the public pressure and, and the outrage, when inequalities become that wide, becomes, change becomes inevitable. Actually. It's very good to hear because I'm across the ocean in the United States where it's worse and uh, no change on the horizon. Um, I, 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 I want to ask about a topic that's generally left out of, of everything, uh, which is the amount of money being put into weapons and wars, because the one thing that the U.S. government seems to always have tens and hundreds of billions of dollars more to just pull out of nowhere for is more wars and escalating existing wars and sending weapons to the side of the wars that they uh, prefer. And it's always seemed to me that the, this constant generation of conflict prevents the sort of cooperation that's needed on things like pandemics and, and climate and so forth. But maybe there isn't anybody actually uh, attempting the sort of cooperation that's needed. Uh, the people in Davos don't seem to be actually after what we want and being prevented by international hostilities. Um, is, it, is it a problem that, that the one thing that there seems to be money for uh, is, is war or is that sort of tangential to all of this? No, I, I, I think it. I think it is a problem. Um, you know, one one another thing that I think people realised during the pandemic, e even before the invasion of Ukraine. I mean, but but there are obviously many other conflicts also raging around the world that are are, are very well funded. Even though Ukraine in the global north is very centre stage in terms of the the public debate and public discourse, I think a, a lot of a lot of activists across the global south have, have rightly kind of centered the fact that there are other that as well there are many other large scale conflicts that are consuming loss of life that that do not in in the in the european and the american media are very much in on the periphery but um no yes it is a problem and i think it also shows us and and showed us during the pandemic that when governments needed to respond to the pandemic in the short term. There, there was money available. There were, there were furlough schemes introduced for workers. There were different forms of social grants. There, there was funding put into to public health care and so on. Things that many governments, like the US government, have said for, for, for decades that there's this hard truth. There's no, there's no money available for, for X, Y, and Z. It's simply not possible. And yet... Uh, and yet, suddenly, it became it became available, um, and so that you know the, the same the same is true of of, of war and the, the spending on defence and so on. Is that a lot of people will say, well, you know, suddenly, uh, suddenly, this this amount of money is available overnight. You know, suddenly, if the IMF can 
we suddenly release uh, you know b- billions of dollars overnight for for Ukraine then then also well what's the why is that thinking and that rationale not applied elsewhere as well so so i think it's it's it is a problem and it and it has helped advance um advance those arguments i think what we've seen with with multilateralism though you know where where we do need global cooperation on on many of the the structural causes of these things around inequality is that the the forums that that are still making the rules um i mean let's leave davos aside for a minute because it's it's not a legitimate global governance forum you know men, many of the global the multilateral fora that are responsible for the big issues that we need to grapple with in terms of climate change in terms of debt um in terms of you know social protection and uh you know intellectual property on vaccines all of these big fantacs all of these big fundamental things you know the the global the multilateral fora the imfs the world banks the the g7s the g20s um and the and and the you know the way the un system is currently working is is not serving the interests of the majority of people it, they're still largely controlled by by the agendas of the rich countries so you know that during the pandemic the role that those those global the, the multilateral fora have have played so far has been has been you know so frustrating and so disappointing um at a time when we need to see a kind of a reboot of multilateralism uh these institutions are still failing us dismally so we jenny ricks we've got just a few minutes left uh what can people do to help how can people get engaged with uh Fight Inequality Alliance with fightinequality.org. Uh, what should people be doing? Well, people can come and, and sign up on the website and there, there's regular actions to take. So, you know, there's, there's actions that you can take at home. Um, you know, your, uh, a, a new billionaire tax is actually, to your point about no, no change being possible in the US, I would question that. So you've got a US... Uh, a billionaire tax that may well be proposed in your upcoming budget so you need to fight very very hard for that i would propose um you can you can connect with activists across the world so we there's actions for people to take at home if you sign up via fightinequality.org and there'll be actions you can take in solidarity with with other activists across the globe um on global issues and and offering solidarity to to folks in other countries where where they invite your support so you can sign up and and take action and and get some hope and inspiration from others who are who are fighting the same struggles as you in other countries across people, the world people people in the united states very much love to be number 1 in the world um when when it comes to the wealthy of the wealthier half of the countries on the globe when it comes to inequality they they really are aren't they uh yeah well your your billionaires are certainly the richest um but the extremes of the extremes of inequality are are even are just as as big or bigger than elsewhere I think the thing that I would um I would encourage US activists is that you know the US also you have a big role outside of the US in in the rules of the game around the world. So we, whilst we have to fight inequality at home within the US, um we also need you to have a global outlook in your activism. 
So being part of the Fight Inequality Alliance is, is a way to connect with, with others because the US has a big influence uh, around the world, not just within your own Very, borders. very good advice. We've been speaking with Jenny Ricks, who's in Johannesburg, South Africa, and who is the global convener of Fight Inequality Alliance. You can go to fightinequality.org, uh, and I recommend that you do to get involved. Jenny Ricks, thank you very, very much for coming on Talk World Radio. Thank you, David. This is Talk World Radio. I'm David Swanson. Take action at rootsaction.org. Help end war at worldbeyondwar.org. Read or listen to today's Peace Almanac entry at peacealmanac.org. All past shows can be heard at talkworldradio.org. Talk World Radio is produced in Charlottesville, Virginia, and syndicated by Pacifica Network. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way.